Hi, strangers. Welcome to season two of Iro's Corner. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Iro's Corner is a space where I invite some of my favorite people and companies to come have some tea and share stories because we agree with Uncle Iro that sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. Today, we're joined by Nisha Spahan and Toby Linwood, the husband and wife owners of Tattoo 34, Portland's only indigenous and black-owned tattoo shop. I first found Toby and Nisha online and followed them for a while before connecting. I love their focus on community and also all the beautiful pieces created by Toby and their other artists. In the show notes, there's also a link to their Give Back page with more info about their Ukraine fundraiser, BIPOC Tattoo Artist Fund, and more ways to give back. We recorded this conversation in March, and listening back to it, I was inspired all over again and just could have talked for way longer. So put the kettle on, steep some of your favorite tea, and I'm glad you're joining our conversation. Hi, Toby and Nisha. Welcome to the show today. So glad to have you here. Hello. Hi, thank Thanks. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I would love if you could start us off by telling us a little bit about Tattoo 34. Totally. I'll let you go first. <laughs> you will? <laughs> Um, well, we own Tattoo 34 together. We're also married and have been together for over 20 years. Um, the business. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, the business is not that old, but it's getting up there. We have owned it. It'll be seven years this June. Is that right? Wow. I think so. Yeah. Start of our seventh year. It'll be six full years in June. We've also hit the point in our life where we've spent more years together in life than we have apart, which is wow, um, pretty crazy <laughs> to think about. Yeah, that's so cool. And where's your where's your shop located and a little bit more about, um, you know, about what you do? So um, we Tattoo 34 is a is obviously a tattoo shop. Um, before the pandemic, it was very much a street shop that did a lot of walk ins. Um, and flash designs. And we can explain like more about that later. Um, but now after, since the pandemic, and we had to kind of shift everything, um, we're by appointment only. And we have recently purchased our own building and have moved our shop a couple times <laughs> yeah. um, into this spot now. So we're on the corner of uh, 41st and Hawthorne now. In Portland. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And that leads well into um, where can people follow you and find you, you know, website and Instagram. Because I've been following your Instagram and it was super fun to watch the floors being done in the new shop. And uh, so, yeah, how can people follow you and find you after this? Um, all of our social media is under tattoo and the numbers three, four, and then PDX. Um, and then our website is www.tattoo3pdx.com. Um, and everything, so much information is on our website. <laughs> Yes, you have a beautiful, extensive website. I loved it. I had so much fun digging into it before our interview. I was like, they put a lot of time into this. This is really wonderful. <laughs> that is all Nisha. G great job, Nisha. It's it's real. It's truly amazing. Thank you. And is there any news that you, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the, the new location later, but is there any other exciting news coming up this year? Anything that you want to share about that's, you know, coming up and is exciting? 
Um, well, we're hoping to have like an opening, <laughs> like a like a grand opening celebration for our new location um, and welcoming. We have an, a whole new crew of people uh, just in the last few months that have all. Well, I mean, we've had people for a while, but all of us are one big crew now who have moved um, and we want to have a opening party but celebration for uh our two newcomers and uh yeah there'll be info on that once we figure it out it's been really you know covid stuff and really not wanting to do like an online event that just it, the whole you know the space and the work that toby has put in remodeling and um and just being together as a community it's it's really that's always been important to us and so we've been trying to figure out how to um transition that kind of same feel when we can't do events like that um but hopefully i don't know fingers crossed that this spring um or june i don't know if that's spring or summer <laughs> hopefully by june we we can have some sort of celebration in person that would be awesome and so let's go let's go way back in time well maybe not way back it depends on how many you know a person's perspective but let's go back in time i guess to kind of your your earlier years together and your journey together you've been together 20 years you know when did you meet what were some of your early jobs? You both have such fascinating stories. So I'd love to just kind of hear some some background kind of, you know, right up until until moving to, to Portland, back to Portland. Well, I grew up on my reservation in Northern California, like Northern, Northern, um, like three hours south of the Oregon border. And I, I mean, that was just, that was my whole world was that area. My parents um, taught my native language um, and taught other tribes how to teach their native language so that was the only like traveling we really did as kids was to to visit other um other tribes and other nations in the united states um and so that was like <laughs> i didn't really know a lot about being outside of that um until i went to college in ashland and uh oregon and that's where i met toby who had come to the Native American Student Union meeting for that was for students. Um, so I wrongly assumed that he was also a student. Um, found out later he was not a student, but had already met him. So oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> the Native community in Southern Oregon is pretty small, and I went with my father to a uh, uh, Native American Student Union meeting. Um, where he would um, volunteer time and and just be a part of a uh, native community. But that's where I saw you. So mm -hmm. we hadn't we didn't meet then. So I don't know, you the first time we met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we uh, my cousin was going to a, a party at. That's not the first time you knocked on my door. <laughs> yeah. After the party. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> I um uh my my friend of mine who was going to school with Nisha uh invited me to go with him to a party at Nisha's house and um we you know a bunch of people hanging out um I met some of the people there and then I came back um a few days later um, looking for somebody I'd met at the party who actually didn't live there it was um uh, Nisha's brother-in-law um, kind of at the time. And um, Nisha answered the door and we started talking. She 
showed me her portfolio, her photography portfolio. And then I talked about the art that I was doing. And then I basically never left. (laughs) (laughs) I think I moved in within a month later or so. And we've been happily married ever since. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, we have not. (laughs) No, that was, I mean, that, that was totally the beginning. And neither of us thought that it would last this long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah mobile children and life later yeah um so at the time um i was living a much different life pretty hectic and crazy and i um i was a straight a college student yeah i was a troublemaker and um uh i was leaving to go um this was kind of my first involvement with the olympics as i went um to to help somebody as a vendor at a food stand um, for the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. And um, I came home, you know, it ended up being a total bust and we lost a bunch of money and it was not a great trip. And I came home and Nisha totally saved my ass. (laughs) And And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So uh, let's see. From there, I'll tell a little bit about my story, my background. I was born on the Oregon coast. Uh, We moved, my mom and I moved to the East Coast, um, and I kind of grew up in in Cape Cod, Massachusetts um, for for my younger years. And then we moved back to Southern Oregon, and I lived in um, uh, Medford, Ashland area. um, And till I was, until Nisha and I were about um, 20-ish, we moved to the Bay Area. Um, 24? Yeah. I worked, at the time I was working for um, a movie production company doing, we were, we were traveling around it. We didn't do a whole lot of movie work as there's not a lot in Southern Oregon. Um, but the, the, my boss at the time, boss and mentor, um, uh, John Foote, um, he uh, used his design um, and set building skills and abilities to do commercial uh, like business build outs. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a company called Badass Coffee that a friend of his had, had bought into and he um, sunk a bunch of his own money into designing this place. Um, and it was really, you know, really pretty beautiful, a lot of hand, hand carved things. And kind of my first um, real, real job with him, he <laughs> sent me to the wood shop and, and to build um, this uh, foam sculpture of a surfer and uh you know he built this wave and we built all of these like hand like custom handmade um um, art pieces for this this coffee shop and the corporate headquarters uh, really liked the work that we did and said that you know all of the the shops should look like that so we traveled around the u.s installing these coffee shops um you know, for me, it was, it was an amazing kind of point in my life. I was, you know, young, had a, got one of my best friends hired, um, with me and we were traveling around the U S, um, creating artwork at, you know, at, at 19, 20, 21, like I, I couldn't beat that. <laughs> um, and it really set the pace for kind of what my life was to become after that. And do you, when you, when you make sculptures, I'm just like curious, do you, 
like did you learn how to do that while you were at that job or did you do you do that on your own like at home you get out materials and you practice sculpting like how does one become good at sculptures <laughs> uh, i used to carry around an anatomy book um when i started that project i uh, to be honest, no, um, I didn't, I didn't have too much, um, sculpting experience before that. Um, well, and zero, let's just zero formal training. Yeah. Like he did not, he did not go to school for any of it. Um, I was a graffiti artist for, uh, many years. I started doing graffiti when I was, um, or started painting when I was like 12, um, and that's really like what what got me into art in general. And then um, no, I uh, I didn't I didn't really have any idea how to sculpt. Um, uh, this this was like my first kind of sculpture piece, and um, I <laughs> would measure um, uh, you know like these like really thin strips of wood um, to my own uh, body measurements, and then um, stapled them together. And then, uh, you know, the expanding like insulation foam, mm-hmm. I took that and covered, um, this wooden skeleton with probably 60 cans of like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, then took a, uh, you know, like a box cutter or a razor knife and, um, carved it back and, um, just studying um, these, these, uh, anatomy for artist books to kind of get the right shape and muscle. And uh, yeah, that's how that's, that's incredible. That's wow. That is, that's so cool. I, I love that. And then how some of your sculptures have been featured at different Olympic games like can you tell us about that like how that happened and then what what that looked like you know do you do you go install them and you know how does that work it sounds so cool i want to start this one um (laughs) (laughs) because so that job came from you know family connection um after he had done these this other work and uh they knew he was capable and had given his info to somebody else who was working for other people. So it was kind of a roundabout thing. But once they finally connected, Toby comes home and says, guess what? And I'm like, what? I'm making, I'm, I'm building and creating and sculpting a bobsled for the Winter Olympics. And I was like, out, out of out of what like and he's like well you know they wanted it like kind of like a real bobsled but it's gonna be like an art piece so like fiberglass and all that and i'm like have you ever worked with fiberglass like is that a thing and he was like nope but i'll figure it out and i was like i'm i have no doubt that you will but of course i'm a little concerned because it's fiberglass i mean there's just there's other things involved in this and he did I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, like traveling, I don't, I don't know. I traveled with, um, this company was called landmine productions and I traveled around with them for, I don't know, four or five years, maybe two or three years. Two or three. Yeah. And, uh, um, I got really fast at, at the sculpting I was doing. Um, you know, it was kind of the same things, uh, different variations of the same thing over and over again. Um, and, and, um, those jobs started drying up. And so, yeah, I got, I got this call from a family friend, um, wanting this 14 and a half foot long, um, bobsled to hang on a wall. And yeah, I had no idea no. what I was doing, but, um, I, I, I sent 
you know, some drawings and some concept sketches and, and, uh, they, without knowing me or meeting me or seeing me. And, you know, for me, this was extremely odd because, um, you know, I think I was 20, 22 or something. And, and, um, they sent me a check for 10 grand, um, uh, kind of sight unseen. And to me, that was like, like what <laughs> just for the material yeah. and to like get him started on it and like wow so again like for me i'm like oh my god what happens like if we have to give this back <laughs> <laughs> you know i at the time we had a new baby like our our first son together um and he worked on that bobsled and i knew it was due like <laughs> i mean he, so i mean the, all of this also relates into how we work together and how we have created his like the way that he tattoos and the way that I do his schedule is very different than any of the other artists um purposefully because he works very differently and at that time well still to this day but then I'm I was still trying to figure out his whole process and he waits until the very last minute to do things because he you know creative juices I guess start flowing when he's under pressure so he finishes it like the day before it's due, like literally at three in the morning, maybe. And I'm, <laughs> I, but I'm in bed with our baby and he comes in. He's like, OK, I'm going to shower and then we have to go. And I was like, it was like three in the morning. I am like new baby. Like, what are you talking about? And I was I thought he was joking. And I think this a lot, but I am caught on. <laughs> I thought it and he goes to get in the shower and then he's, you know, starts packing. And I'm like, are you, are you serious right now? Like I, I had known it was due the next day, but I thought maybe there was like other communication about it because it obviously wasn't done yet. Um, but nope, not. He literally made me get up with our baby and get in the car and follow the U-Haul that he was driving with this 14 foot bobsled down to the Bay Area. It was a seven hour drive. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't very happy yeah. i i was i was a sleep deprived new mom following like at one point i just remember following the red lights like i was so tired i was just like follow those red lights in front of me and stay on the road that was dangerous for both of us i hadn't slept in like two or three days and i was exhausted too and yeah it was the paint was still wet when I dropped it off. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but we did it. We did it. Yeah. Wow. I, this is why I love couple interviews because, you know, you can one person can be telling part of a story and then somebody adds some extra detail like, oh, by the way, the drive was seven hours. And then, it, you know, it, 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 it adds it adds perspective. <laughs> I love it. So much perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh... But that's that job is how we ended up in the Bay Area before. Portland because um, they ended up hiring him for a full-time position. Yeah, actually after, um, so they, they left, they went to Torino, Italy. Um, apparently um, they won awards for the design work done for that suite for in, within their industry. And um, that uh, eventually led to uh, full-time work with them. Um, I, I, I knew the jobs were drying up for me where I was at. We this is also where we were at. You know, we um new baby. I had bought a new car. We bought a house, and then all of the work dried up. <laughs> and um, oh yikes! 
Yeah, which uh, all all it's good and bad. Yeah, times. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, you know, currently we, you know, we have and kind of invest in property too, and and which has also led to the uh, our ability to buy this building. You know, we became landlords at that time. Um, uh, Nisha uh, found work in California where she could bring our son to, and um, we couldn't afford to pay the mortgage on our house anymore. So she, when she moved out, I still lived in um, Southern Oregon um, because I still had some work there, and um, I moved two of my friends in to to rent them rooms to help pay for the house, and then that job opportunity came up. They hired me uh, for a three-month contract. I moved down to the Bay Area for a short period of time. And we still at this time had, you know, no money. Like I was renting, you know, the house out to my friends who wouldn't always pay rent on time. And I was, I was basically living out of our car and, and, and staying uh, with, with various friends while I was down in the Bay Area waiting to see if this contract would turn into a full-time work, which it did. Um, um, so then we got to live together again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it took it took a minute. But it, you know, those were those were really, you know, kind of the, the stepping stones to where and how we got here today. We at the time that was like 2007, 2008, and the housing market crashed. And so we bought this house kind of at the peak of the market. And it, you know, overnight we lost 80 grand. You know, the house dropped in uh-huh. 80 grand. So there's nothing. Yeah. Ooh, right. Like other than rent it out and, and, and try to try to cover the mortgage that way, which, um, for years, you know, we were, the house cost us $200 <laughs> a month, even over, you know, uh, uh, the, the mortgage. So, but we, you know, they figured the only way we were ever going to make money or, or recoup any money on that house was to keep it long-term and we still own it today. Um, I, yeah. it does. I mean, it's funny. I know, I know all of this, like we've, we've talked about this before and like, obviously we lived it, but it's funny to be remembering all of that again now, like where we're at at this point, because it's, it has, I mean, it's been a lot and we've been super broke and um, it's just funny because once we are here and we've been, we've owned the tattoo shop for a while and stuff during COVID, we were talking to our lawyer a lot about different random things and um and our lawyer knowing us for a few years and helping us purchase the business in the first place was like I'm not worried about you guys <laughs> and we were like what and he's like I, I'm not like knowing what you guys like how you got here and what you've done so far like you guys are hustlers you'll figure it out it's fine like I am not worried and I was like all right <laughs> it's true like it's it, and it was a good reminder then but it's it's interesting to think about because it is those are all the things that have got us to right now mm-hmm. yeah yeah wow and then went so so the the sculpture you have the the full-time job you know helping with this this company and then are the like olympics contracts or those kind of a side thing that you're doing as they come up while you're still working and then when when do when does tattooing enter their picture <laughs> I, I know we should ask how long we got yeah, to talk yeah. to you um <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I worked, um, th- that was, uh, for a sports marketing company, um, called, uh, sports mark management group and our clients, um, it, I, I never worked directly with, um, the Olympics or the Olympic committee or IOC, I think it's called. Um, uh, but I worked with a lot of the, 
their sponsors. And so we would, what we would do is create like these hospitality suites for um, the major sponsors of the Olympics, you know, which would be, you know, like Bank of America or Visa, Visa or, you know, um, you know, those, those, those type of sponsors. And so, um, one of the next Olympics, uh, so it was the, the winter Olympics in Italy, and then it was the summer Olympics in Beijing. Um, and that's kind of what I got hired, started, um, f- with that company for, um, also, you know, this company, um, they, they, so he spent months in China for the Olympics. Yeah, they they didn't have a position like mine before me. Um, they kind of after after the work I did for them, they created the position that they hired me into, um, which is really cool. You know, I, I, I like almost everyone there had like you know business and master's degrees, and I was just this street graffiti artist kid with um, the GED. Yeah, and. Uh, so how the Olympics came in, um, you know, we would, um, we would just manage people's sponsorships and, um, go, they would send us out there. I, you know, spent 40 days in Beijing, um, almost spent like six months out there creating these sculpture pieces for, it was, uh, the major sculpture pieces were for Bank of America, which I did these three, um, kind of Olympic figures diving or interacting with the giant rings. Um, one was really cool in particular, um, that we made a miniature version of, um, that was given to, uh, the, the, an ex president at the time. No, the president at that time. No. Oh no. As George Bush senior, um, that was pretty cool. We won't go into politics too much. <laughs> but I was young and kind of an idiot. Oh, just then? No, I'm saying. Just checking. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time to be to be overseas and away from away from Nisha and your. I don't know how many kids um, you know you had at this point in the in the picture. <laughs> no, at that time we had um, just. Chos and, and Malik. Malik. Yeah, I was um I think just Chos at the time. Malik hadn't moved out. Um, you know, when I went to when I went to Beijing, uh we traveled around a little bit after um the nice part about my job through through um that company is like all of our work was done beforehand. Um, you know, and we'd ship everything out and and set everything up when we were there and then making sure it didn't all fall apart or if things needed to be repaired you know, we were there on hand to do it. But once the Olympics started, then I was basically, um, you know, not free, but, you know, my job was mostly done. Um, and the cool thing about all of that is that during that time you were doing, you learned graphic design, interior um, design, yeah. sculpture. I mean, everything that he has brought to like our new building um, and build outs in the past, like all of those skills and things that you learned while getting paid yeah. to learn them. Yeah. I learned, um, I was really stoked. I learned this 3D program in like a month, which was like, it was really, really, really difficult for me. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I would learn um, how to how to model and render out, render out all of these spaces uh, to show our clients what we were going to do. But yeah, I learned, you know, er, painting, graphic design, sculpting, di- you know, sculpting with different materials, how to cast in different materials. Um, we were yeah. actually both doing the same thing, like working and learning the mm. things that honestly have benefited what we're doing now. Yeah. 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 Let's uh, not forget that. I mean, Nisha, um, after I got the job down there, the three month contract and finally landed the full time position, 
um, getting Nisha to move down there. Um, uh, she found an amazing job with um, a, a really prominent photographer um, in the Bay Area too, which was uh, really awesome. Yeah. And then I was running that business, so I learned. <laughs> I learned a lot about running businesses, but but photography too. I had when we originally had thought about going down there, I was like, oh, I could go back to school and and do photography like I had really wanted to do. And instead of paying to go to school, I just, I got this job and learned so much while getting paid to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, that's kind of the, how did, how did that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were doing all that and then. Uh, well, so, so we are living, we are living in this town called Pinole, um, or San Pablo Pinole. Yeah. Which is like North Richmond, which is like Bay area. Um, we had a a one bedroom apartment, um, that we were paying like 1400 a month, I think. I don't know. We, our bed was literally in the dining room. Yeah. (laughs) And we gave our son the bedroom. Uh, but at this time Nisha, um, was pregnant with our second child together and we needed to move into a different, we needed a better housing. And, um, uh, we found, uh, my boss at the time lived in Vallejo and kept urging me to check out, um, and, and moving to Vallejo. Uh, and that's where we found another property. And, um, you know, we were paying 1400 a month for a one bedroom, found this three bedroom house for uh, a giant backyard yeah, and an orange tree for 1100 a month. So it was well, uh, once we bought it, our mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we lived there for quite a while. This is how I got into tattooing is uh, we, the company I work for, they, uh, we had a bunch of work in London, um, gearing up for the London Olympics and our CEO made some bad decisions. Um, so we lost a lot of work and I eventually got laid off, which was great. <laughs> um, they hired me under contract. So I was making, you know, uh, almost twice as much working half the time. And I had, uh, the free time to do other things. Um, I was in, originally intending to um, invite my friend down, one of my best friends that had worked with me at Landmine. Uh, I invited him down to move down to the Bay Area with me and, and try and help me start a company basically doing the same thing I had been doing for years, um, you know, set, crop, design, uh, and production work. But he convinced me um, instead yeah, instead to come up and, and uh, check out tattooing in Portland. And, um, you know, he had kind of, he had, had followed me around from job to job from time to time and would take my advice. And I figured it was time to take his. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I came up here to visit him and, and he convinced me to get into tattooing wasn't hard to convince me. I, I, I just, I had other plans at the time. Um, and, and I, I was trying to be super supportive at that point because <laughs> we had, I don't know. I mean, I was just like, Oh yeah, what do you, he's like, I want to do tattooing now instead. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I did not know what I was getting into. Yeah. I think you have on your website that it, I think it says Nisha wishes she Googled <laughs> tattoo artist uh, hours or something like that. <laughs> yes, because that was the thing. I didn't, I had no tattoos. Like he didn't even have any tattoos, like legal ones. And like, I just didn't know. I didn't know about the industry. I didn't know about tattooing. He just, he's an artist and that made sense. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, no one, no one mentions that like 
especially the first few years for a tattoo artist, I mean, it's all like you're working to get clients. And if you're new and you don't have clients, then they don't want to take time off of work or, you know, do any of that stuff. So all of your appointments are generally at in, you know, after five o'clock during the week and all day on weekends. (laughs) And at that time we had uh, three kids in our house and um well i mean we weren't even again we've spent a lot of different times where i was so i me and the kids were still in vallejo um while he was up here a lot of time him and his friend rico were living with my grandma um that was funny but (laughs) um but yeah i mean but once we all moved up to portland and was like okay cool you're a tattoo artist now we never saw him Like we just, he, you know, the kids would go to school and then he'd go to work and they'd come home and we'd all go to bed. And then all weekend he was gone. So it was like, there was a huge portion of, I don't know, at least two years that we did not hardly see him at all. Yeah, I I have um pretty intense work ethic that I, I learned at a young age too, that was pretty unhealthy. Um, I had, you know, my first son at 16 and, you know, we, at the time, um, you know, I lived with my mom for a short amount of time, lived with my stepfather for a short amount of time. And, um, you know, we, needed an apartment and needed money. And so at 17, I was like working two full-time jobs, had like half a day off and I'd I'd wake up at like four in the morning and go for the morning shift at at, uh, McDonald's and then finish my evening um, at another restaurant and get home around midnight and do the same thing over again. And this is before, this wasn't with me. This is before before we met. Yeah. So I, um, that, you know, that's totally not a, a great way to live, but I, um, you know, starting that early, I, you know, I, I still, um, I still have that, you know, like I, I, once I'm at work or, you know, it, it also doesn't help necessarily that like I do the work that I love, you know, like this is passion for sure is creating, um, anything. And, um, I definitely like commit a lot of myself to it um at times and and when i first got into tattooing i was you know i didn't really not leave the shop a whole lot yeah wow mm-hmm. and i'm curious what does it you know again i guess i'm curious how, what does it look like to become a tattoo artist like are there like is there licensing are you watching other people like and then you know are you in, in your practicing or like learning like how, it sounds like you learn new mediums very quickly um but i'm curious like what it looks like to learn a new a new craft like that especially one that's you know like on 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 a per, on other people <laughs> uh well so here in oregon um oregon's one of the few places where tattoo school is required almost every other state you get um you you go into an apprenticeship under another artist um and that was a that was a um specific decision for him to come up here to go to school because we were living in California and he did start once he got his license he tattooed in Vallejo for a while before we eventually moved but we had known that we eventually wanted to come back to Oregon um and so that's why he decided to do it that way yeah so um you know what that looks like is is uh in tattoo school you have to spend a certain amount of hours um studying and learning about skin and 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 uh the 
medical side of things. And then you spend another, the other half of that is um, actual procedures. Um, thankfully, um, I got through the program pretty fast. Um, normally it's, it's, it uh, kind of takes people like eight months to get licensed. I, since I had have had a career in art for so long in general, you know, drawing and creating wasn't necessarily the problem, but you know, finding clients is, is normally the tricky part for any uh, tattoo artist in, in school. Cause you have to have a certain number of hours. Yeah. Tattooed on yeah. Other people. I had to do a, a, you know, like 50 procedures or so. Um, and uh, yeah, tattoo procedures. And I had, um, uh, my cousin, <laughs> thankfully, and some friends up here that really volunteered their skin. And the, one of the uh, teachers in the school really helped me out too. And he would, um, bring me clients from the shop to tattoo. He had motivation to do it quickly. We were, me and his kids were all <laughs> still waiting for him in California. Yeah. So I got licensed here, uh, and then moved back to California and, um, had uh, an apprenticeship of sorts in, in Vallejo, California for another year before we moved up here. And then at some point, then you purchased Hawthorne Inc. So, you know, maybe kind of fill in some of that. So did you work for some different shops in Portland once you moved back here? And then what prompted deciding, you know what, we're going to do this on our own? Uh, yeah, it happens quite a bit here in town in, in Portland is, uh, you know, if you get out of tattoo school, not a lot of shops want to hire you. Um, because, um, you're generally really inexperienced and you're new new and, and, and nobody really wants to take on and teach somebody. There's also, you know, um, tattoo schools are, are really kind of looked down upon in the larger scheme of, of, um, tattooing, uh, or the larger the whole tattoo industry. Yeah, yeah. The tattoo schools are really kind of looked at as a as a scam. Um and they kind of, they kind of are, you know. It's it's uh, <laughs> It's it's hard cuz like for me coming from like from an outside totally non-tattoo artist perspective, like a schooling system is definitely like it's accessible if you have the money so like anyone can decide that they want to learn how to tattoo if they can afford it whereas an apprenticeship is completely reliant on you your ability to know somebody or to be somebody that that um, some uh, experienced tattooer want to take on mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we moved you worked at several different shops um well, it was only like what- two and then Hawthorne Inc. So what happened, uh, a, a bunch of the people I went to tattoo school with decided to open a shop together. Um, so, you know, we, everyone had a place to work. And uh, the, why we moved up here was um, a lot of reasons. We had a great housing opportunity. My son was going into high school and the schools in, in Vallejo weren't great. And uh, my friends were all opening a shop together. Uh, I worked at the shop with... Um, the people I went to school with for a little while, it just became a, like a party place and, um, you know, it wasn't working. It wasn't, yeah, definitely wasn't working out. It wasn't working for me. (laughs) Um, wasn't working for any of us. Um, then, uh, 
I moved around to a couple different shops and uh, a f- Nisha's cousin had mentioned that the, a shop on Hawthorne was hiring an artist. So I stopped in and um, eventually started working there. Shortly after working there, the, the owners had came to all of us in the shop and they said that they wanted to sell and it asked if any of us were interested. Um, I asked them if we could, um, if I could manage it for a year before buying in and um, uh, they agreed, thankfully. And so, um, you know, I, I, I was able to, you know, understand the financial aspect and where they were financially and how much money the shop was making and, um, you know, try to learn how to run a shop. Um, I, at the time, I felt I was too new and inexperienced to open and run a shop. Um, I don't feel like I really got the education within tattooing that I wanted. I really wanted to, to work with, uh, you know, certain people and, and learn, um, you know, how they went about tattooing and learn from them. And so, but I asked a couple of, um, tattooers that I knew that were older and, and been, uh, in the industry longer than I had what their thoughts were. And they were like, Oh, you know, if you have this opportunity, go for it. And, um, you know, so five years in, um, we decided to buy the shop five years in from use getting mm-hmm. your license. Yeah. About five years. It was four when I started managing it and then I managed it for a year. And then that's when we decided to purchase. Thankfully the owners were, were really patient and really, um, generous with us. Um, really helped us get in the door and, and we made payments. <laughs> yeah. And then did you, is that when you purchase it? Is that when you renamed it to Tattoo 34? Uh, after we purchased it, I, we didn't really make any changes for the first six months. Um, I started making some interior design changes to the, the space. Um, that was kind of my first. That was your first priority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first priority was other things. But yeah, we didn't we didn't really do anything. We bought it in June and then waited because summer is the busy season for tattoo shops in general. Um, and so then in December, we pretty much closed for two or three weeks. Um, and then it was just like, you know, he was he was gutting the thing and, and remodeling the inside. And I was making the website and he had done the logo. He did all the, the logo um, branding kind of stuff. And then I used that and made the website and did a um, electronic waiver. So we didn't have paper. Started taking credit cards. Started taking credit cards and every, in like three weeks. I mean, we did, it was just like an overhaul of the entire thing. And by January, um, 2017, we opened as Tattoo 34. Yeah. And I, I was totally hesitant about changing the name for a while, but there were a bunch of kind of indications that it was, it was definitely time for a name change. And the name Tattoo 34, um, a lot of people think it was because we were on 34th Street, which is definitely partially true. Uh, but the first business I started was um, called Three Fourths Designs um, with my friend Rico. <laughs> oh, wow. We've been talking about this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, And then the shop was on 34th Street and we were, or I was also 34 when we bought it. So um, there's kind of a, it all just fell in line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very serendipitous. Uh, Yeah. That's super cool. Okay, we're going to take a quick little break question. We have... A new sponsor on Iro's Corner called um, Prompted Moments is a friend of mine. She started a company 
where you and a friend each get a set of cards. There are four cards. And then there's prompts inside and it has the stamps on it and everything. And you send you send the cards to each other. So on the show for fun, we're like using one of her prompts and each answering the question. So all three of us will answer this question. So this comes from the cards to laugh set. So just lighthearted, you know, it can be silly. What is your secret or not so secret obsession? And how did it come to be? And uh, if you if you have if you have clear, you know, fun uh, obsessions on top of mind, you can start or I can start and we'll we'll go through each of ours. Oh, I didn't know I had to come up with one. I know yours. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Books, art books. Oh, Adidas shoes and cars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Art books. Definitely. Definitely. I I collect a lot of um, <laughs> art related. <laughs> I think I get a text at least once a week that says, I'm going to buy books. Is that OK? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've also learned from that one that I have to like be like, how much are these books? Because at first I was like, oh, yeah, buy book. Cool. I love books. Like, sure. Yeah. 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 No. Do you know how much art books cost? <laughs> I did. We have we have place in our budget for books, right? <laughs> There's a separate line item. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, eventually that's one of the things um, in our new building's basement is there's going to be a library um, with all of these art books, though. Yeah. So I think yours, you should pick mine. There you go. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I no. I can't this, answer that. I you. know. This is like this question is like like what's your what's a hobby? I'm like I'm a business owner and a mom and a wife. Like that's not a fair question. Yeah. My my obsessions would be <laughs> the website. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true because seriously, like I'm. I'm also a creative person, just not in the same way that Toby is. I mean, I was I was a photographer in a past life and I make jewelry um, and different things that I've done in my past lives. But my creative outlet currently is literally our business shop's website. That I mean, that kind of clicks together because it's it's seriously so cool. Like it looks like so much work and time and artistry has gone into it. So I I love that. That's so cool. Thank you. Yes, I got an email the other day that like made my whole. I mean, obviously it's made my whole like weeks because it was <laughs> awesome. But all they said was like, I haven't figured out yet who I'm contacting or or what tattoo I'm getting or anything, but I just have to email you to tell you how awesome your website is. And I was like, yes. Aw, <laughs> that's amazing. It was. It was. They're like, this is the most thorough, like beautifully designed website I've ever seen. And I was like, oh. yep. Yeah. Oh, that made my whole day. I have to agree. Yeah. That okay. Well, I, I love those. And for me, I I mean it maybe is no surprise to our listeners. Um, but I just I have an obsession with tea and kombucha and anything tea related. I can't I can't stop myself from buying new brands of kombucha when I see them. I just I'm like, well, I have to try them like I have to support them. They're making kombucha like I I'm physically compelled to buy it. My husband's like, D- we have kombucha at home. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have that one. Like, you know, we haven't we haven't tried. I haven't tried that one. And then 
loose leaf tea. Like I've interviewed a bunch of tea companies on the podcast, and then I'm always looking for new ones and local ones. And and then like, how do they, you know, where do they get the tea? How do they, you know, is it herbal? Is it, you know, I'm just fascinated by everything tea related, and I drink a lot of tea, so. Yeah, it's it's probably it's not really a secret obsession at this point. It's everybody kind of knows that I have I have a little bit of a tea problem and uh, and a kombucha problem. So you know, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I feel you a hundred percent. When you said like you just can't just can't help buy it sometimes, like yeah, I have no problem with books. <laughs> it just it's just it just calls to you like you have like i'm just like oh i i need that in my life like it's just it's a i'm compelled so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh one of the locations we were looking at before we bought this building was like right next to powell's books on hawthorne and that would have been dangerous <laughs> <laughs> nisha shut that uh that yeah. location down maybe yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it got bad, too, where we currently were at because farmhouse restaurant was across the street. And I was like, no, you you can't you can't eat lunch at farmhouse every day like we do not. We're not going to have money to pay the bills if you keep eating lunch like that or at least invite me to go eat with you. Like this is just all not fair. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for thanks for taking a little prompted moments break um, with me. Prompted Moments has created a special deal just for Iro's Corner listeners. You can use code T30, that's T-E-A-30, for 30% off your entire purchase at promptedmoments.com. That's the word prompted without the E, moments.com, to transform staying in touch into meaningful moments. So you've, you've rebranded to Tattoo 34, you've done this work. I'm also curious, like, just what does it look like to run a tattoo business? I'm sure there are different business models, but this is something that, you know, like until until I got a tattoo, I hadn't really thought about the just I'm fascinated by business and process. And so I was like, how wait, there's this whole world. Like, how does this work? What does it look like to run a, a shop and get artists in your shop and have them book and, you know, pay the bills at the end of the day? Can you just tell me a little bit what it's like to run a shop and kind of how it works? Well, this is a great question because I did not know either. Um, I knew business. I had I had a run I had started just Toby had started a couple businesses I had started a couple businesses um I managed and ran the photography studio that I was working at in San Francisco um and so I and I you know like you're saying I love I love business I love learning how it works it's like I go into places sometimes and I'm like how do you think they make enough money to keep this place going? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> analyze everything. It's like, oh, well, they only sell things. Like everything's under $5. How many of things do they have to sell per day? You know, it's like stuff like that. So I knew nothing about, again, I about the tattoo industry um, or about like running a tattoo shop, but I knew how to run businesses. We are also a black and brown owned business in Portland, Oregon. And that has been definitely something that is on our radar radar for being like, we have to do everything by the books. Like we, we don't mess around. We don't, um, we don't do things the way that other shops have been able to and gotten away with. Uh, we were audited, I don't know, like a year after we rebranded and and owned the shop um 
we we've just we've had things happen that other people are like oh that has ne- in the, you know in the 10 years i've owned my shop or and whatever like no that's never like they don't care about those things like yeah they do they do though when it's us <laughs> So that's just, for me, like, that's how I came into it. And that's where my perspective is from. So running it like I would run any business is is kind of how I do it. Yeah. So how many artists, other artists do you have at at your shop right now? Um, So we have six, we have seven total with Toby. And we have six artists who are contract workers. Um, And that's kind of like, so I, I run the business part, right? Like I, I do all the marketing, all the, all the financials, all the, the website. (laughs) Um, I do all like pretty much everything behind the scenes that you don't know is happening. Um, that's me. And there's definitely like, like having contract workers, they're technically like their own business as well. Um, but we also want to, um, obviously promote them. What it's like, I mean, how we've always thought about it is like, if they're successful, then we're successful. Like we want the people who work at our shop and the artists, um, to be as successful as, as they can be. And that only helps everybody, um, in terms of like, teaching and learning and, and being open with each other about techniques and how they're, you know, Toby can talk about that, but (laughs) tattooing, um, but also just being, you know, wanting everyone to have a positive work environment and, and to be, enjoy coming to work and being around, um, similar people. Yeah. For me, I, I really, um, I love to learn um, a part of the whole, you know, having books and a collection and book collection and library, you know, I really love to study and um, I really want to get better. I hope to, to continue to, um, <laughs> and we have an artist friend who's in his eighties and he's in the studio all the time. And that's really my ultimate goal is to just continue to creating and learning and growing in that way and um you know as far as like what happens in the shop is those are the kind of artists that we're looking for um are people who just want to continue to learn and grow and you know if we can share and lift each other up that's that's the ultimate goal with that um and with this new space you know we have an area in the basement um that i'm hoping to finish out it's kind of like a conference room area um where we intend to do you know to host seminars and workshop nights and and drawing nights and um really kind of build with our community and get us all to continue to um teach each other yeah that's so cool and it seems like you've really and you know looking at the the wonderful website and you know just other things i've i've seen you both in you know some some other places and in articles and you seem to have really intentionally have tried to build a an inclusive space and a diverse space and what does what does that kind of practically look like when you're you know when you're trying to hire new artists or decide who to join the team and how do you make sure that the the space you know stays the way that that you've envisioned. I'm curious about kind of the intentionality behind building, building out your, not just the physical space, but you know, the, the space for the community that you just mentioned. Yeah. Well, for me, that's been the, that's been the really cool part about owning this business and working at creating a successful business, because at first, you know, when you're, 
you're starting out, you're not thinking about those things. That <laughs> that's like a luxury that that you get to start thinking about like creating this this team that that you want to represent the business as a whole. Like that's that is a luxury. Um, because we're not just thinking in terms of like, oh, we need artists as soon as possible to you know make the money so that we can pay these bills. Um, it's getting to a point where we have been able to really decide um, who those people are. And, and we have guest spots <laughs> to get people to, to work with us first before we even ever um, offer or talk about having a having a permanent spot. Um, I think you were going to say something too. Yeah, no, that's that. I mean, that's how we've done our hiring so far is, um, for the most part, um, we, what's, what's kind of common within the tattoo industry is, is, um, having a guest spot or, or guest spotting at another shop where, you know, you, you can travel and, and work in another shop with either other friends or other people you admire or, or appreciate. And so we intended, um, on always having um, an open station for guest artists. We haven't yet worked that out for this space, but that's, um, you know, someone will come work with us for a, a couple days or a couple weeks. And, and then we get to have feel out, you know, what kind of person they are, how their work is and, and their energy. Yeah. Um, that's how, that's how we do our hiring basically. Okay. Yeah. That, that's super cool. And, you mentioned a little earlier that kind of before the pandemic, you were more people coming in off the street, flash designs, and then you've kind of pivoted. I'm wondering if you could, and not all of our listeners are, you know, necessarily familiar with the tattoo process. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the structure you had before and then what you've kind of pivoted to and what that looks like? Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple different types of tattoo shops. One is like a walk-in shop, right? Um, where there's art all over the walls and people can come in and pick art right off the wall and, and get it tattooed in that moment. It's pretty quick turnaround and um, generally no appointments necessary. Um, and, it, you know, that's it. Those are great and amazing shops. There's other tattoo shops, which are like private studio spaces where um, it's kind of appointment only and, and you know, generally it's getting like large scale or... Um, yeah, custom pieces. I mean, those are the kind of the two uh, broad spectrums of, of what tattoo shops are and, and then kind of everything in between. Um, we, our, our last shop was kind of 50-50. Uh, the the, the spot on the corner of 34th and Hawthorne kind of half of the artists were doing walk-ins and half had appointments and some of them, you know, everyone would kind of schedule appointments from time to time. Um, that was great. Um, I love that kind of environment. Um, it's kind of high paced and quick and, and there's a, a high energy, um, in our place now. Um, you know, like, I don't even know if we'll have a sign out front ever, <laughs> like, um, not, uh, you know, we, we're incognito. Yeah. I, I like having kind of a low key spot and, um, uh, we, our, our artists call our shop, the not party shop, <laughs> the, the not <laughs> But it's nice. I mean, it's nice. It's it's calm and fun, and everybody laughs and hangs out, and and our kids pop in after school. And I think you know, in the tattoo industry, I think you know both are are incredibly important. Um, I really miss having um, you know a walk in space. Uh, what was really nice about it, um, you know, people would come in from all over the place. Um, 
you know, we had people walking in from Scotland or Australia or anywhere in the world and, and they'll come share their stories with us and um, they'll get to, you know, hear our stories as well. And it's, it's really pretty awesome. And we definitely like his, he wants that feeling. And then, you know, trying to balance that all with like all the artists and and the business structure now and all of that stuff. And so we are definitely trying to find a balance of that, of, of finding, you know, specific days or having all the artists do an event together where it's Toby loves fast paced pressure, (laughs) (laughs) pressure driven, um, dates. So, yeah. Yeah. It sounds tricky to find the balance, but you know, it seems like if anybody can do it, you guys are capable of whatever you put your minds, (laughs) minds to that's for sure. So, you know, on that note, kind of what does it look like to to book a tattoo with with Toby and like you know how are you what are each of your roles in the process from you know someone someone goes <laughs> okay I want a tattoo and they're going to reach out to day of they get the tattoo kind of walk me through the process and each of your roles and in the steps I guess so here's Toby's role he he gets up in the morning and goes oh what am I tattooing today <laughs> <laughs> who's who's on my schedule and i go it's all on there you just need to look at it oh okay i'll look at it (laughs) (laughs) that's not accurate (laughs) okay you go your version will be shorter No, I, I, I do. Uh, so what the process looks like is, you know, there's, we have our, our website, um, they will fill out a form kind of describing the tattoo that they want to get. Um, Nisha will schedule them a time. Um, uh, occasionally, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll do a series of, um, consultations and, and see if I'm the right fit for the project. Um, wait, wait, wait. Have you ever not been the right fit? <laughs> no, not often. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he's, he's like, oh, let's see if I'm the right fit. If see if I want to take on the project. I literally like people sign up to get tattooed by him, and he's been really trying to be like, I would like a, you know, like my style to be a certain way, and I, I'll, I want to do tattoos. I really, and he does. I mean, really enjoys certain ones, but he literally takes every single job and client <laughs> so yeah that goes back to the the very first business i started when um me and my friend rico again um <laughs> started uh this year rico <laughs> three-fourths designs um you know we lived in a small town we were both graffiti artists and um you know we we wanted to create this art business and so we didn't turn down work um, being a small town, I felt if we started turning down work, we would just have less and less jobs and less money and we were trying to build something. And so we never said no. And we would just learn and figure it out as we went along. Kind of been his motto ever since. Yeah. So now, um, yeah, I've been talking a lot about like narrowing my focus and, and really starting to do, um, the work that I'm like really passionate about. Um, not saying I'm not passionate about the work I'm doing, but I I have really um, kind of found in in I don't want to say ease, but I'm I'm really drawn more now to like doing these large scale ornamental um, kind of neo tribal pieces. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. <laughs> um, how how it works is people will come in and and well, currently how it works right now 
is that I still have a client list from 2020 that are all new clients that signed up to get a tattoo by him. So, oh, wow. Yes. So currently what we're doing is, is what I, we've been trying to figure out with the website and the way that he works. Um, because he definitely works differently. He doesn't, he, he draws in general, but he doesn't draw the whole design that somebody wants before he, on the day of they work together finalize, and then he'll draw that design directly on their body before he tattoos it. Um, and we've just, we've adjusted the way that we schedule and he does half day or full day appointments. Um, it was very, it was, it was very stressful and challenging for me to be scheduling him when also his sense of time is very different than, than mine. And so he'd say, oh no, that one's not going to take very long. Well, him saying, oh, that's not going to take very long is not what I would think he means by not take very long. <laughs> and so he would end up with clients waiting and, and me being stressed out and all that. So anyway, we changed everything and it seems to be working out <laughs> better now. Um, but we're trying to get in, you know, clients who he has started tattoos on. We really want like a finished piece and we don't want people coming in, starting a tattoo and then not being able to get back in for a year or two. Right. Like that's not that's not fair. And in my head, like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. Um, and I really try like my best friend who lives with us says that I I am very big on fairness. <laughs> And I think I get it from my grandma because my grandma is always like, it has to be fair. So for me, like all the things that I do for Toby's clients is how I would want someone to treat me or how I would want to be um, like dealt with or like, like helped. Um, and for me, like if I'm going to go in and start a tattoo and I've waited, right? Like some people have waited for two years to start their tattoo. Once they start that ta their tattoo, I want them to be able to get it done um, within that year, especially if it's a big piece and there's, you know, four sessions or whatever, and they have to be generally like a month apart. Um, so that's, and so that's how we've, we're doing it is basically his books have been closed since February of 2021. Um, and we're just working through the clients that need to finish pieces. And then I am literally still going back to, I think I'm up to October, if anyone's listening, <laughs> October of 2020, um, that we have people on that list until February that I'm still working through um, for new tattoos. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a large backlog. Yes. And, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how many of them like got it from someone else or went somewhere else or whatever. But, mm -hmm. um, but, but that's for me, like they signed up, that's what I'm doing. And then I will, we'll get to, um, we'll just keep going through and getting to new people. But once somebody comes in, you know, and starts, then that's, then they get priority for finishing their tattoo. Um, so for Toby, like there is a spot and there is a walk-in spot because, he does really love doing like small script work um, or large script work, but uh, it, those types of tattoos that don't take him very long, we're implementing like walk-in in quotes, <laughs> walk-in days so that um, somebody who wants something that's an hour or two, like isn't waiting a year. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So there's all kind, you know, on, so I made the, uh, there's a specific page for his clients on our website that kind of, um, that they can figure out where they go and they can sign up to be on, on his wait list. Um, and I encourage anybody who eventually wants to sign up now because it might be a couple years and you never know by that time what you want to get tattooed. So Yeah. And, and my actual tattoo process is pretty different from a lot of people. If you're not familiar with the tattoo process, generally you'll go to an artist um, and you'll, uh, you know, request, you'll have, you'll line out the things that you want to get done as far as a tattoo. And, uh, you know, the artist will take your references or your images or your idea and they'll go and they'll draw it. And then you'll come back for your appointment and they'll have a stencil, um, which is like a generally like a transfer that they transfer onto your skin and then trace over that design. So then you, you can look at this image on a, you know, on a piece of paper and say, yeah, that's the image I want as my tattoo. Um, my process, you know, somebody, uh, you know, will either have a consultation or, you know, we'll talk about the design, but they'll either come in and they'll bring in either reference pictures or, or just say here, you know, these are the things that I want. Um, and we sit together, we'll look at, you know, references sometimes. Um, and I will, just draw with markers right on the skin. And I feel it's a much more collaborative way of tattooing for me. That way, you know, um, when you're looking at something on a flat piece of paper, it's not going on a flat part of your body. Generally, there's not a whole lot of flat spots on people's body. There's curves and and it moves and there's all these different aspects to um, the placement of a tattoo. And so for me, the ability to draw that on um, you know, really shows like how that tattoo is going to feel for the person so they can really get a sense of what it's going to like feel like to have that tattoo on. Um, and if they don't like it, if they don't like the size, we can alter that. If, you know, I've had a lot of times people will come in and I'll, I'll, in the past would have this whole thing drawn out and they're like, oh, you know, last night I had this idea or this dream and now this design has changed and it makes it um, a little bit more difficult to make those alterations where as now, you know, um, I've had people change their entire concept, um, uh, in the moment of creating their tattoo. So, um, which is it, for me, it's really nice. You know, sometimes like in our conversation and in our story, I, I pick up on different aspects from them that I can then, um, implement into their design as we're working together. That's so cool. I love that collaborative. I love the, the sound of that and how you, you know, actually just drawing on and, and working on it with someone. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different experience, I think, for, for both of us. Um, yeah, not saying it's better or worse, just different. Yeah, totally. And so what would you each say is kind of like a oddly satisfying part of your job? It could be something mundane. It could be, you know, it could be, oh. it could be scheduling. It could be, yeah. you know, it could be anything, but something that you just, you're like, oh, I love when this thing happens in, you know, in my day. I love my spreadsheets. Mm. I, there you go. It's, they are, it's funny how excited I get when I get to <laughs> fill out. <laughs> Well, I have new data and information that I can fill into my spreadsheets and then it pops out the information and I get to show him and, and he's like, cool, babe. And I'm like, yeah, but look, you got in the, this is what it's, you know, 
he appreciates it. I totally appreciate it. I love seeing it. Like, yeah. No, he does, but it's it's kind of hilarious because I get very excited about spreadsheets and (laughs) he laughs at me. (laughs) I love that. How about you, Toby? You know what's really awesome I I, I feel about our shop that um is kind of different from others as well as uh you know when we're when generally when the artists are done with a, a tattoo, um they'll show it off to everyone in the shop. And so like you know, it, while I'll be in the middle of tattooing and one of the artists will be like, here, here's the tattoo I just finished. And, you know, we all, the the my client as well as all the other clients and artists will, you know, generally get to see the, this new work that the client is super proud of and the artist is super proud of and we get to share that together which is um i I mean that's i don't know if that's oddly satisfying but it is definitely (laughs) really satisfying to me to that we we share in that way i love that those are both awesome can i I yeah yeah go for it because i really do want like our the artists that we have in the shop like i want to make sure how much i say i appreciate the people that are choosing to spend their time with us and and within our business because you know we wouldn't have a business without all of them um and they trust they trust us and they they have been through moves from the old space to a temporary space to the new space. And they've had to deal with a lot from us. And it's just so I'm so appreciative. And it feels pretty amazing to have a group of people that that do put their trust into you like that. And I want to make sure that I that I say how much I appreciate all of our artists because they are they are all really awesome people. And I'm I'm thankful that that a part of like owning this business besides with my husband, who I also love very much, (laughs) but that that I get to have relationships with people that are just really amazing human beings. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for thank you for adding that. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Sorry, you can ask your you can ask. No, you're good. I just it's a it's a less intense question, but do you each have a favorite tea? If so, you got to tell me what it is. <laughs> I my favorite like loose leaf tea that's not that's not black or chai tea because those are kind of my go tos. Is I would drink black tea like all day long. Um, but love potion, um, by it's a black and indigenous, uh, woman who's in Portland and it's, they're awesome. Is that, is that S is that Bria Esty? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And nice. Love, love potion is my favorite. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a particular, um, uh, I, I love tea in general. Um, but I will take um, like a mix like throat coat tea when I'm sick with some honey and lemon and a little bit of cayenne pepper. And it is like the best thing in the world when I'm not feeling great. <laughs> Other than that, I like licorice tea. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love from Esthete the Lavion Rose tea that is one of my favorites and we've been able to have brie on the show which was uh, super fun another guest mentioned her tea during this segment and i was like wait what's esty and then brie came on the show and then i i live not too far from her new tea shop which is amazing so i love that love i don't know if i've tried love potion so i'll have to try that one that sounds great i'm gonna have to try the one that you just said too because i yeah i need to yeah i i find one and then i've tried several i mean i have a bunch of from from there four or five in my cupboard at the moment um, that I rotate, but I always like 
it's like one of those things where I'm like trying to branch out. It's like my life. It's like the story of my life. I'm like trying to branch out, but then I always go back to like the one thing that I that's <laughs> guaranteed that I love and mm-hmm. gives me comfort. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, our final segment is called Tips and Dregs. So tea tips are like the sweet part of the tea leaf. And then the dregs are like the grains left in your glass. So this is just like a totally for fun little thing. But, you know, kind of over your last week or just something recent, what would be something that would be a highlight? And then what would be more of a low light? And, you know, we'll each of us each of us can answer. I like to start with dregs so that we can end on our, (laughs) you know, on our tips or our highlights so we can each go through our dregs. Hmm. Good question. You want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, keeping it like tattoo shop related, I think the dregs is just for me. Like, like there's still so many little things that need to get done. That's like <laughs> you start adding them up, and it gets overwhelming when you look at like the big picture, and you're like, oh my gosh, like this and that, and this and that, and then you kind of like focus in, and you're like, okay, the trim, the the countertop the you know like all the little things that that can that can kind of pull down your mood yeah kind of the same i had uh I, I didn't tattoo that much this week um which um was kind of a bummer but wait wait wait, wait. Also, you, you did six tattoos yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but I most I, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot. <laughs> it, 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 it was one of for his me, yeah, walk in days. So, but but I also had two. It, it's both pros and cons. But I had I had two days I didn't tattoo this week, um, which is is not normal. Um, but that's also the tips. <laughs> so. <laughs> Both good and bad that I didn't tattoo enough and that I didn't tattoo enough. That's hilarious because I'm like, I can't. I It's so funny because you're like, oh, yeah, if I can work four days a week, that would be great. And then you're like, oh, I only worked for, <laughs> I only worked four days this week. <laughs> Catch 22. Yeah, totally. Very complicated human being. <laughs> for for my drags, I would have to say I. So next week I'm going to like the first like work thing that I guess I've been to in a couple years is actually I was on my way to this event when the shutdown happened two years ago. It's Expo West, the big natural food show in California. And I I get to go next week for my other podcast job. And it's been the dregs has been like it. It feels weird to go somewhere like I have this like weird like anxiety that I wouldn't normally have about traveling. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet people and like, you know, they're going to see how, you know, I've seen them all over Zoom. We're going to see each other in person. Like what what are they? What if they think about how tall I am? Like it's just like all these weird. It's just like not enough people interaction. And so it feels I'm like way overthinking what would be just, you know, something that was you're just going to a conference like, you know, okay, but now it feels like a it feels like a bigger mountain uh oh. <laughs> making a mountain out of a molehill now so that's been kind of a weird like oh like this feels weird i don't know how to act like am i gonna remember how to act yep. like no, you know I with people that. i don't know <laughs> i feel that a lot and i that it's the same like like i do all of toby's scheduling and i'm like i text clients and email and i'm very good customer service like that and since the pandemic it has definitely i mean i'm shy like i'm i am 
a shy person in general. I can pretend pretty well sometimes. But since the pandemic, I'm like, I don't know how to talk to people <laughs> in person. Like, I know that's what I don't, I don't, I haven't done that in so long. Yeah. Totally feel ya. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Um, But yeah, that should be, it should be fun. So, um. How about tips? And Toby, if you if you have another tip, you don't have to have spent it on your last one being a catch-22. But if you want to use it, you can. But <laughs> I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, I think we had a shop meeting uh, last Monday. Um, and again, like I'm shy and and it takes me a minute to like, yeah, to <laughs> be around people and anxiety and all those fun things. But um, it was really nice. Like we, I mean, we, we have shop meetings, but we've had them on the computer and different stuff. But, um, and our last one was in person, but it was the first time that everybody got to be in the same space together besides my admin assistant who was on the phone. <laughs> but, um, but that was, I mean, that was just, it's so, it's so motivating for me and like, um, encouraging to be in just in the same, even it's the same, it's funny in same airspace. Like that's such a funny thing now, but you have to consciously think about it all the time but we're in the same space we're breathing sort of the same masked air and and being able to like talk about like where we want the shop to go and what things we want to do and and events and you know dreaming like dreaming and talking and uh, you know what's working what's not working like you know i i like to know all of that stuff so that i can come up with solutions and you know and all of that came we have like a new list um for cancellation lists so that people can get on and artists can call last minute um stuff like that so it's like that's those are the things that make me excited is when i get to like like hear how things are going and and dreaming together um and like what we want even the space to look like and and all that so that was that was fun and then and then afterwards toby and i got to hang out together and sand stuff and paint stuff and (laughs) (laughs) and spend spend time together yeah that was fun you got some things accomplished um i would say i bought some new books (laughs) 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 Yeah. yeah yeah that's i bought Three, no, four. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I deal with. (laughs) That's funny. Our our bookkeeper, our bookkeeper had to seriously ask, like, if it was legitimate, like, book buying expenses that I that was under, like, educational, like, books on our (laughs) our book. And I said, yes, yes, you can talk to Toby about that, but those are all legitimate book buying purchases. nice that's awesome i love it um let's see for my tips this is this is like a silly nerdy thing but someone pointed out in a newsletter i get about um like so many board games and i'm kind of nerdy and we play a lot of board games and so many board games are like you know you're you're playing against other people and you're trying to win or whatever and like that's okay but you know there's like when you play dungeons and dragons like there's no like uh there's no winner necessarily you're all working cooperatively you're building a story together and when i was introduced to that world like i was like oh this is so cool there's a way to play games where we're not we're we're on the same team and we have a common goal and we're building a story and so um you know we've just we found other 
like there's a game called Gloomhaven that's like, you know, not as uh not as in depth as like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's the same kind of concept. You're all on the same team, you have a little story, you go do in a scenario and you're all working together cooperatively and deciding what to do and the story changes and um I saw in a newsletter somebody mentioned like, "Oh, it's so cool to find these like cooperative games and not have to do, co- you know, competitive board game night." And I was just like, "Oh, that's it's such a like it's something that I really look forward to and I hadn't really thought about something that I didn't love as much, but now being introduced to this whole other nerd world of these cooperative games, I'm like, "Oh, I love this. This is fun. It's refreshing. We get to be creative and make stories." And so you know, it's just a little thing, but man, I have just, I've really loved that being exposed to this kind of new genre and way of, you know, being nerdy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. We love board games. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so fun to hear your stories and man, incredible journeys that you've both had and the things that you've done together. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for the time and to keep following uh, tattoo 34 and i hope um you know other listeners follow you and follow your artists and yeah it's just been really great so really appreciate you coming on the show thank you yeah, thanks thank for you. having us we we can talk a lot apparently so <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's great <laughs> thank you so much thank you for joining today strangers i so appreciate you being here and i'd love to hear from you about what you thought about today's episode what inspired you or your tips and dregs you're always welcome to tag at Iros Corner on social media or send me an email at hello at iroscorner.com. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episodes. If you're feeling extra generous, I'd love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about us, or support us on Patreon. Your support helps us grow the show and keep tea and story hour going. As Uncle Iro says, While it is always best to believe in oneself... A little help from others can be a great blessing.